if you want a Big 12 schedule, just give Oklahoma and Texas what they want. And that's that early exit. We're going to talk more about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref. Surely beaming from a Kansas City Chiefs three-point win over the Cincinnati Bengals, propelling the Chiefs, Josh Helmer, Blake Bell, Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown, and James Winchester all to the Super Bowl. Surely everybody's excited to see those Sooners make it back, right? There's no, there's no upset feelings that it's not uh, Mixon or Pirine going to the Super Bowl. Man, my, uh, my Wichita, Kansas heart is, is very, very full tonight. But out of respect for all of you, we won't make this show about Kansas City advancing to a Super Bowl. We will make it about uh, a lot of the news and notes. It was a great weekend to be a Sooner fan. Uh, it, it really was. But uh, let's start here. The Big 12 schedule, John. It's been a big topic of discussion, why there's been no Big 12 schedule release, and we've got at least one new theory out there for why that might be the case, which, John, this probably isn't a shocking theory, but when you see somebody like Barry Trammell attach their name to this type of theory, okay, that raises my eyebrows a little bit. Yeah, so it's something we first kind of discussed, uh, what, a week and a half ago, I feel like, when or two weeks ago maybe, when it was first kind of discussed that, and I think it was in a Jenny Carlson piece that we discussed it off of over at the Oklahoman as well, that there's a, a delay for some reason, and there's a lot of different moving parts going on, and her take on it was that the Big 12 really wasn't handling all this very well, and really what it comes down to, as Barry Trammell's reporting, is that the holdup, kind of what we theorized, hypothesized. We didn't really have any sources to go off on in that front. On that front, but Barry here backing us up on that. Um, he's saying that you know a lot of it comes down to Oklahoma and Texas trying to negotiate an early exit, which we know has been something that's going to be a priority for them, a priority for Brett Yormark, at least in a sense that where he can get a win out of it and not just let Oklahoma and Texas out scot free. But it's a big issue because, as we've mentioned and we, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, if Oklahoma and Texas are leaving after the 2024 football season, that means that – sorry, after the 2023 football season, that means that there's fewer potential dates in which the remaining 12 teams can host Oklahoma or Texas, meaning that at most there's only going to be 10 – away or 10 games in which they can host an Oklahoma or Texas in 2023 before they go off and jet set to the sec, which also means there's going to be a lot of negotiating happening amongst the remaining 12 to figure out, okay, who are going to be the teams that benefit from Oklahoma and Texas coming to their place as part of an away package. It, it's there's a lot of moving parts and Brett, your Welcome to collegiate athletics. It's not going to be so simple 
figuring out how to manage the schedule, get Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, get your payout that you're wanting. A lot, I mean, a lot is transpiring right now. I really commend Brett Yormark because, and I said this to you before, John, that to me it was so obvious with Bob Bowlesby and the Big 12 that it just, it, because of the Oklahoma-Texas elephant in the room, because of the SEC realignment for those two, it was just time for a change in leadership. And listen, privately, Brett Yormark might be the most upset out of anybody, right, about what's going on with some of these negotiations between Oklahoma and Texas and the, the Big 12 Conference. But publicly, we don't know any of that. And actually, it kind of leads you to believe that it's been fairly amicable on both sides. But anyways, I, I think that's important in these types of negotiations. But just to get back to the, the trammel response out there. So he does his trammel scissor tails, John, which is basically a mailbag. And anyways, I'll just read verbatim what he put out there in response to a very simple question, which was, hey, why no Big 12 schedule? And here's what Trammell wrote. Quote, first, a variety of reports, including from the Oklahoman, that say the schedule hangup has nothing to do with the schedule itself, John. It's all tied to negotiating an early exit of OU and Texas to the Southeastern Conference. The Sooners and Long Longhorns can leave with no penalty in the summer of 2025. We all know that. But a Big 12 source told the Oklahoman that both OU and Texas – yeah, here you go. Both OU and Texas are negotiating to leave earlier, probably in 2024. But here's the bombshell. Perhaps even this summer, though the latter chances are small. And the schedule, schedule release is somehow tied into the departure negotiations. I continue to say I'm going to be highly, highly surprised if Oklahoma and Texas don't play in the Big 12 Conference next season, John. But, you know, the longer this thing goes, you know, even with or without Trammell's report, it just it doesn't take you or I or anybody else, I think, out there being a genius, John, to draw a line from point A to point B that probably it is in some way, shape, or form tied to Oklahoma and Texas's pending departure and any behind-the-scenes negotiations. So the longer this thing goes, man, and the longer we don't have a Big 12 schedule, the more you kind of, even though I don't think it's how it's ultimately going to play out, you have to entertain the possibility, don't you, that maybe we're not playing in the Big 12 next season? I mean, anything's possible. It sure would make things a little bit simpler for the Big 12 and Brett Yormark to – to do that at the same time, that's a, that's a lot of money they're leaving on the table by letting Oklahoma and Texas out early. And I know the networks have been a big part of this and why maybe it's not going as quickly as possible or why the, you know, the buyout hasn't been negotiated yet because the network Fox in particular wants to be made whole in any exit agreement. An idea that could work. What if Oklahoma and Texas agreed to play one more away game than what they might normally play? in a season just to give everybody a bit of a taste. So you play 12 away games between the two teams and that gives everybody an opportunity to host either Oklahoma or Texas next season. I don't know if they would do that. I don't know if either Oklahoma or Texas would do that, but it is kind of a negotiating chip to push into the table a little bit to, if you feel like you need to have a little bit more leverage or, or in a, in this kind of a situation. I mean, Jenny Carlson mentioned that Oklahoma and Texas had leverage, a couple weeks back when she first wrote her story about why the schedule wasn't coming out and how they were mishandling it. Could this be potentially the leverage like that they're holding like, Hey, we could play an extra away game. We're not afraid of that. If it helps us get out early, like we want to, then let's make it happen. But I'm, I'm still of the mind that it's 2024. 
2023 kind of seemed like a, a big leap, especially after it wasn't done in the 2022 off season, after the early exit fee wasn't negotiated in the 2022 off season. Um, but I'm with you. I, I feel like Brett Yormark's had handled this like a businessman, you know, Bob Bowlesby hasn't always handled things like that in the past. He's handled it as an administrator, you know, somebody who's kind of the boss quote unquote, but Brett York, Mark, he's a businessman and he's going to do what's best for business for the big 12. We've seen that already with the way that they've you know, marketed the big 12 marketed the conference championship game, made the conference championship game, a big event, you know, getting big time celebrities and stars to the game for the national anthem and other things going on. So he's going to handle this like a businessman. He's not going to have any emotion tied to it. One, he doesn't have any emotion tied to it. He's new to the conference. He doesn't have all the kind of the stake that everybody else has in it. He's just trying to do what's best for the conference in the long run and try to make the most money out of this early exit as possible. That's right. Yeah. He's, I mean, however I can make my constituents happy and and he's obviously got the benefit of arriving into this situation, having not been the commissioner that was blindsided and embarrassed publicly, John. I mean, let's, let's at least give Bob Bowlesby a little bit of a, a pass on that, that, you know, he was embarrassed publicly by this deal and it was a gaffe uh, on his, on his behalf. I'm not, I'm not giving him a pass for that portion of it, but just, I get the emotional response to it, right? Is it makes me look bad. I'm right there probably at the end of my road as big 12 commissioner before the news drops anyways. And then, Oh, by the way, you embarrass me on the way out. So I get why he wasn't particularly thrilled about it and made no uh, bones about the fact that he wasn't particularly thrilled about it, but it's been good for, I think all parties involved that you have a clear head in Brett Yormark operating this thing. And eventually, right. Eventually we think we're getting a big 12 schedule. I think you and I are still of that mind. And yet again, as the, the clock keeps ticking here. Okay. It makes you start wondering some things. hundred percent. And we're, we're going to get one at some point, whether we get one between before big 12 media days or the big 12 uh, basketball tournament, that'll be the question. Uh, I think it'll come sooner rather than later, but I still kind of operate under the idea that, Hey, the longer that this plays out, it's not a bad thing for the big 12. It just means more people are talking about football when there's no football going on. So that's a good thing for the Big 12. They get to stay top of mind for everybody. It's kind of marketing genius a little bit if you look at it. And they'll and when the schedule comes out, we'll spend a week or two dissecting the schedule and breaking it all down. And so he'll just get a, another media cycle out of it after that. So all these reports that come out, that's that's good for the Big 12, good for Brett Yormark, and they'll get it figured out. They always do. And again, Oklahoma's playing in the Big 12 in 2023, gone in 24, and then the fun transpires speaking of fun we're going to talk about the basketball weekend that was up in the third segment but first we're going to talk about peyton bowen is that a freshman to watch could very well be and before all of this fun we got a super bowl set it's kansas city it's philadelphia and that means uh, via FanDuel, the sports book it's open right now philadelphia installed as an early point and a half favorite it's super bowl 57 uh, let's see, money line minus 134. That means the Chiefs are going off plus 114. Money line right now, the over-under set at 49 and a half. I'm too close to the situation. Don't ask me for any sort of advice on this one. Too close to, to home for me. But the Super Bowl is set, and uh, you can jump in on the action right there with the FanDuel Sportsbook, fanduel.com backslash locked on, where if you're a first-time wagerer, you, get, uh, you can get started with $150 in free bets, guaranteed 
guaranteed, John, when you place that first $5 bet. How awesome is that? And what a, what a more fun time to jump in, right? Super Bowl 57, you get $150 in free bets if you jump right in and just place one $5 bet. So check that out over there. It's uh, easy to do on the FanDuel app as well. It's all available right there on the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. So one more time, football fans, don't miss out. One final game this season. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose, FanDuel.com slash Locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. Peyton Bowen, could he be an automatic impact freshman? I think this is probably going to be something, John, that, you know, whether it's insert media service throughout the offseason, this is not going to be a one-time thing that we discuss this. And look, I, I will say what I think I've said here before, every position defensively safe for maybe one or two to me is up for grabs. And when you're a five-star guy like Peyton Bowen is coming in with the type of pedigree and we think the athleticism and natural ability that he has, John, absolutely. He could be a day one impact guy. I think PJ Adebore, it's easy to, to just pick those two five-star guys. The where, where were they? Was it 24 seven sports where they both finished his top 10 uh, in the final recruiting rankings out there. So when you're talking about those types of players, John, look, yeah, I'm going to take the the low-hanging fruit, the easy answer. Absolutely, he could be a day-one contributor. I mean, he certainly can. So the, the question was posed by the ESPN roundtable group of a college analyst over there, and they asked which freshman would be someone to watch in 2023. And Adam Rittenberg, he chose Peyton Bowen, even over Jackson Arnold. He mentions Jackson Arnold in the article, but – it's Peyton Bowen to him. And you look at the safety position for the Sooners, and yeah, you got Billy Bowman coming back. But again, he had kind of a roller coaster season in 2022. Key Lawrence, eh? I mean, he was okay at times. He was underwhelming as far as I'm concerned. I expected him to have a much bigger year this past season than he did. Then you're talking about Reggie Pearson, the Texas Tech transfer at safety, and then a guy that I'm really high on and expecting to kind of make a jump, and that's Robert Spears Jennings. So, there's there's potential at the safety position for the Sooners, but there's nobody that's like a defined, solidified starter aside from maybe Billy Bowman. Uh, if you expect him to come back and be your strong safety or, or or your free safety next year, but I don't even know if if he's safe necessarily. Uh, you you mentioned it. You kind of got to look at everybody when you finish as poorly as they did defensively. There's not really an incumbent starter except for maybe Danny Stetsman. Like he's and maybe Woody Washington. Like those are the only two guys that you could look at and be like, okay, those are probably two surefire starters on the defense. Maybe Billy Bowman, maybe Ethan Downs. But with what they did in the transfer portal, what they did on the recruiting trail, it kind of feels like Oklahoma had this mandate for sweeping change across the defense. And could that result in Peyton Bowen being a day one impact player? I think so. I think even if it's just as, a, just in a similar way that Billy Bowman was his true freshman season where he's playing some nickel, he's playing some safety, he's kind of playing all over the field. Then it makes a little bit, a little bit of sense that you could get a guy with the athleticism, the, the range, the coverage ability, the ball skills that Peyton Bowen has and get him on the field. Because as we just mentioned in the secondary, you don't really have a lot of guys that are entrenched um, that you feel a hundred percent confident in. Now I feel confident that Billy Bowman's going to take another step. I feel really good about Woody Washington, although he's had his moments where that weren't so good, 
I still feel good about those two guys in the secondary, but I think everything else is wide open. So why not a guy like Peyton Bowen? I feel like he's got the skills and the athleticism and the headiness to be able to jump in right away and, and make an impact, especially since he got here as an early enrollee. He'll be there for all the winter workouts, spring ball, spring day, a spring game, sorry, you know, the summer stuff. He'll be here for nine months before Oklahoma ever, you know, laces him up to play an actual football game. I think you nailed it. I think Billy Bowman is the name that you feel like safety wise entrenched for Oklahoma, right? I think that's the one name. And then from there, the, the other probably couple of names to really keep an eye on Lawrence, Robert Spears, Jennings, and honestly, beyond that, I'll say this too, John Bowen's going to have a great chance because look, you look at it and he's a five-star kid, all of the things that we know, right? What the recruiting rankings tell us is that he's talented enough to step right in and maybe beat one of these couple of guys out. And somebody like Robert Spears Jennings, though he's played a little bit, he doesn't have this massive leg up on somebody that's just stepping in right now in terms of the experience and all this playing time. He's got, he's got a definite leg up in terms of having been around and the language of the defense and all sorts of those types of items. But in terms of just sheer snaps and starts and games played, I mean, not a massive edge there for Robert Spears Jennings over Peyton Bowen. Having said that, John, I would say that probably there's a couple of guys in this signing class, not just named Peyton Bowen, that we need to probably have our radars turned into during the tuned into during the spring and over the fall camp to where, like I said, I think just given how bad you were defensively, John, Reggie Pearson uh, did, didn't mention him again either. I mean, obviously that's a name because he transfer portal, all the experience at Texas Tech, you got to be wise to his ability to step in and be a definite contributor for Oklahoma. But beyond Reggie Pearson and Robert Spears Jennings, I think a, a couple of these signees are going to have a chance, John, if they're great straight away. To see, to see playing time and to see it's, you know, right out of the shoot. I genuinely believe that. Yeah, I also kind of turn to a guy like Caden Green. You know, he's got the physicality, the ability early to maybe make an impact at guard. Uh, you know, they added a guy like Caleb Schaefer to come in and compete for guard reps. You got Savion Bird, you got Aaron Parks coming back. But it's going to be an interesting competition. I think physically he's able to, he's going to be able to step in and play right away at guard, even if he does project long-term as a tackle. I think that's an interesting name to watch too. You mentioned Adabare, of course, the the, the skill set, the constant rise. I feel like he's had. Uh, you know, we talked about you know what Josh Pate had to say about Jackson Arnold last week. Well, he had some really glowing things to say about PJ Adabare as well, which I mean everybody does. You go back and you look at just kind of the way his stock rose over the last year from three star to five star, and you're like, can his does, is he on a, like a rocket ship right now? Or as he is he going to plateau when he gets to Norman? I mean, I think everything points to the fact he's going to continue to trend up. And that means that he's probably going to end up getting some playing time for the Sooners in 2023, which based on everything we know about the kid, he's going to be an impact, impact player. He said it at the All-American game. He wants to be the best defensive end Oklahoma has ever had. And I don't think he said it in like a braggadocious way, but in a I'm ready to go to work kind of a way it was just very flat demeanor wasn't you know you know puffing his chest out to say it it was just very nonchalant the thing that came out and i believed him i'm like all right let's go let's go let's get to work let's get you with schmitty and let's see what happens because i mean the dude's already got the the body the skill 
to to be an impact player, get him stronger, faster, quicker, and who knows what he could be his true freshman season for the Sooners. So a lot of a lot of really intriguing freshmen to watch. Peyton Moen's just one of them, but across the board on both sides of the ball, you got a lot of really intriguing freshmen. But let's also turn ourselves our attention. You got one more thing here before we move to hoops. Yeah, f- a final thought on Adabare and those comments, just real quick, if I can. Man, it excites me that you got somebody that's call it cocky if you want, but that confident in their ability that they can step in. John, maybe just that naive that they can step in straight away. Don't know any better. Hey, PJ Adabare, you're not supposed to be able to do this as a true freshman. Well, guess what? The uh, Sooner Shop, the pass rushing shop, it's open for business, and we are desperate for some new clientele. So it would be fantastic if, again, Adabare, Bo, and a couple of these signees, John, they just don't know any better, and they're too talented to know any different that they're going to step right in and be difference makers straight away. I can't wait to find out. It's going to be so fun next fall when we get back to actual football. But there was a lot of fun that was had on Saturday afternoon at the Lloyd Noble Center as the Oklahoma Sooners take down the Alabama Crimson Tide, the number two ranked Alabama Crimson Tide with a 93-69 win in Norman. It was a fantastic performance from Grant Sherfield. Jalen Hill was just his normal, efficient self, just phenomenal. But the big story was these guys just hit shots and they played defense for a full four quarters, Josh. Oh, I have to unmute my mic here. I was in LNC for this takedown of number two Alabama. Let me first say hats off to you, Oklahoma fans. That was an incredible environment that this team played in inside the LNC. And, you know, I get it. You don't get a number two ranked team every single day, John, that comes inside the Lloyd Noble Center. But when you do, you get that opportunity to show up, be loud, and be energized. And Oklahoma fans were that inside the Lloyd Noble Center. But give Oklahoma credit that that first under four, that first from tip to the under 16 timeout, Oklahoma came out and they hit shots, John. They, they It's a novel concept, right, in basketball. They came out and their stars hit shots, and they got that crowd behind them early to where it just it felt like even, even a little bit of a lull mid-first half, and then Oklahoma started hitting some more shots and making plays to bring the crowd back into it. So it was honestly an amazing day to be inside the Lloyd Noble Center. It felt like, to me, being right there on hand and a part of it, honestly, it was like the – I saw people making this comparison, John. They were asked this question. They made this, this statement or comparison. Biggest win for Oklahoma since. And a lot of people were saying, well, the Elite Eight game over Oregon that sent you to the Final Four. Well, I will tell you this. It felt like the opposite of that Final Four game right after that versus Villanova where Oklahoma, John, it just – the way they shot the three ball in the game was incredible. Sherfield was insane. Jalen Hill was terrific. Tanner Groves double-doubles in the game. So Oklahoma, as bad as it was versus TCU, total opposite the next game versus Alabama. It was It was amazing the type of turnaround they had. And we're going to see, right? You play one really, really poor game usually, or maybe a couple, and you play one really, really good game, this being that, where everything goes right, or maybe a couple. And this was definitely that game, John, but I'll be curious to see just 
just confidence wise, what does this do for Oklahoma? Because now you got back-to-back winnable games versus Oklahoma state and West Virginia. Can Oklahoma, they're not going to shoot like this. Obviously Uh, captain, no brainer here. They're not going to shoot like this probably the rest of the season, John, but can this just be the type of emotional confidence lift that they need the rest of the season to say, you know what? We're an NCAA tournament team and we're going to prove that the rest of the way. The thing that stood out to me that was a huge difference in this game was the number of threes that they shot in their recent loss to TCU. They shot 21 threes. There were five of 21 this week against Alabama on Saturday against Alabama. They only shot 13 threes, but they hit them. They were nine of 13. And so on a, on a day when they were actually hitting their threes, the fact that they limited how much they were shooting from behind the arc to me, that's, that's a step in the right direction because I don't feel like they're a consistent enough three-point shooting team. And we talked about this to be shooting 20 plus threes in a game. So limit it to 15 or less, go to the basket, go to the hole. Good things happen. Oklahoma has seen it firsthand that when you go to the glass, good things happen. I mean, they shot 19 free throws to Alabama's 21 and I mean, they, but they hit three more free throws than Alabama did. Alabama shot 22 threes and was just 27.3% from the field or from three point range. So like, that's a big difference in the, in the fact that Oklahoma was willing to use their efficiency to their advantage. Guys like Grant Sherfield and, and Jalen Hill, like every time he touches the ball and gets an opportunity around the rim, he finishes, get him the ball, let him go to the hole. And use that those two guys as penetrators. Don't sit there and rely on the three ball. So big, you know, kudos to those guys for making some adjustments. And as you mentioned, the the fans, like I did not expect that kind of a crowd for this game, even though it was the number two team in the nation, even though it was Alabama, even though it was the Big 12 SEC challenge. I did not expect that. Even and I thought, okay, maybe they'll get a bit of a bump because of the Crimson and Cream NIL. Um, autograph signing that was happening with the OU football team, they'll get a bit of a bump. But no way did I expect them to have 10,000 plus there is the number I saw that uh, your brother Joey Helmer reported. I mean, no way did I expect that. So big shout out to Sooner Nation for showing up, showing out, and making it look like a college basketball atmosphere that could rival any across the country. Like, it was a sight to behold on you know when i was watching it on tv just a fantastic atmosphere you know this is this is so far off the importance scale but hats off to the security in lnc i thought they handled the court storming it was just like everything that could have gone right for oklahoma in this day went right they, they had it perfectly uh sectioned off to where the alabama players could leave the court and the court storming i thought was awesome i'm a big Look, I, I dig I dig that in a college environment as long as it's, you know, handled a certain way to where it doesn't get out of control. And I thought the Oklahoma students and fans that were a part of the court storm, I thought, did it the right way. But, man, you know, uh, just getting back to the importance of the win itself and the crowd, John, you know, it's one thing to have 10,000-plus in the LNC when you've been begging for it and begging for it and begging for it. And then it's another thing, John, when you get said crowd – and Oklahoma delivers in front of said crowd. What does that do? It tells people, you know what, this is fun. I want to be a part of this again. John, I had that feeling leaving the LNC, and I love Oklahoma basketball. I'm an easy sell. You don't have to work that hard to get me inside the LNC, but to other families and fans that are like, ah, you know, softball's great at Oklahoma. There's Oklahoma football. There's other options. 
uh, it, just in Oklahoma City, the Metro in general, that gives you a reason to want to come back. It was such a fun day, man. It just That's the most important thing probably from this game is it was just such an environment, such a fun day to get to be a part of if you were a Sooner fan. Now you get an opportunity to follow that up with Bedlam on Wednesday as Oklahoma State comes to town. They had a real great crowd in Stillwater when Norman went up there just a little bit ago. Now it's Oklahoma's chance to return the favor uh, on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Anything on that, Josh? we got some history to talk about as well. I think, uh, you know, for Oklahoma, just defended home court versus a great team in Alabama that gets you a quad one win. You, you got to gotta hold serve in Bedlam. This is, there's no gimme games in the Big 12 Conference, John. Even w- whatever the standings would look like for an Oklahoma State or a West Virginia or a Texas Tech, none of it's easy. But look, you get Bedlam and you played poor in the second half in Stillwater not too awfully long ago. This is a game that, John, if they're going to the NCAA tournament, is there a path in if they don't win this game? Sure there is, because you've got dates versus both Kansas and TCU still to come in Norman. But for all intents and purposes, probably you have to take care of business in this game versus Oklahoma State, right? Yeah, and they did just that. You you got a big win there. You get this one against Oklahoma State, and you're starting to build some momentum towards the rest of the season. Speaking of somebody building momentum, that's Taylor Robertson. When she launches from three, you're going to have a hard time stopping her. Now she's the NCAA's all-time leading three-point artist. I guess that's the best way to phrase that. Uh, the most three-pointers made in NCAA history. Also got a bit of a shout-out from Steph Curry. If you didn't see the video over on social media, go check out. I wrote a story over on Soonerswire.com where you can check that out. But yeah, man, Taylor Robertson, it, it came in a losing effort, unfortunately, against a really good Iowa State Cyclone squad, uh, top 25 team on the road. But I mean, the significance of of being the, the person that has made the most three-pointers in all of women's basketball is just incredible. No doubt. Incredible career that she has had. And, you know, this is kind of uh, the the ending of it is a lot like the Jocelyn Allo home run chase, right? It's like, you know, it's about to happen. There's too many games left. It's obviously going to happen. But uh, what an awesome moment for her. It's uh, the culmination of, again, a sensational shooting career. And I thought, I thought uh, what, uh, first off, Steph Curry, for him to take the time to do that, I thought was so neat. And, you know, it just shows his appreciation for other players in the game, which I thought was, you know, when you're that type of star in not even really just the NBA, John, but the sports world in general, to, to take that time was, was really, really cool. But I loved what he said. What he said in the video was, you know, to have that type of proficiency shooting the three is, is just amazing what Taylor Robertson has done. Yeah, a career 44% shooter from three-point range. Uh, she averages more than 117 uh, three-pointers made per season. Uh, sorry, 111 three-pointers made or at least she had in her first three years, first four years, sorry. Um, And she's already had 57 through this year. And I think what's interesting about her game this year is she's becoming more of a facilitator for the squad. She's playing a lot more point guard and not just playing off ball. So she's making a big impact, not just when she's hitting threes. And honestly, she was the best part 
of that Sooners team on Saturday against Iowa State. I mean, she was fantastic. She was six of eight from three-point range, led the Sooners in scoring. Just so happens that Iowa State's got one of the best players in the country playing for them and Ashley Jones. So just a, a phenomenal effort from uh, Taylor Robertson throughout her whole career. She's already up to 502. We'll see where she finishes this thing off as the Oklahoma Sooners continue to try and uh, bounce back. That's two straight losses now on the road for them. They've got you know a big one this weekend against TCU, or not this weekend, this week against TCU, a team that they just obliterated uh, a couple weeks ago. So a good chance to get back on the winning side of things for them. And uh, Josh, anything else we need to touch on before we get out of here? Well, I think I think you hit it that you know, now these next couple of games for the Oklahoma women's team after, you know, they had been uh, on a roll. What did they won? They had won five won in a row. Straight, yeah. Yeah. Five, five in a row before this two game skid. So it's important for them heading into the NCAA tournament to uh, obviously get this thing right. There's a ton of basketball between yeah. now and then, but from a seeding standpoint, uh, obviously uh, important that they take care of business in these next two versus TCU and West Virginia. But Hey, at least there was a bright spot over the weekend, right? It's cool to see Robertson have that history. My my only complaint, it didn't happen one game before for Chris Plank. But, hey, Brian yeah. Brinkley had a terrific call on it. That's right. Well, and, you know, the two losses that they have, a top 25 Texas team, a top 25 Iowa State team, you don't want those losses, obviously, but they're not going to kill you as far as seeding goes as much as if it were a, an unseeded or unranked team as well. So uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. We're going to be live on YouTube tomorrow night, so make sure you're subscribed to the show over there. Sorry, Monday night, if you're listening or watching on Monday. We're going to be live on Monday on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to the show over there. Hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop and when we go live. And hit the like button as well. Going to leave you, Josh, with a little court storming via Tyler LaDuca on Twitter to send us all happy. Until next time, I'm John Williams. He's Josh Helmer. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.